Did you notice I was sitting down the front there with all my friends? Yeah. Sad, very sad. No friends. I don't know. But I've got grandchildren, so that's all right. Evangelism, what is it? That's the topic for this morning. But before we get to that, I don't know if you remember at the Vision Sunday, which is a February, the first Sunday in February, we, we, we shared with you that we're going to focus on the belong priority of our, of our strategic, four strategic priorities. And uh, we looked at belonging to, to the Lord, belonging to each other, and last week Andrew shared with us how we belong in the community. Now there's a reason that we belong to the community, and that was sort of shared as well. I'd like you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read a few verses there. <clears throat> chapter, five, uh, chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, reading from uh, verse number 16. So now... So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once were regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this from God who reconciled us himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God who reconciled that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors, as though though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Beautiful passage of scripture. Ambassadors for Christ. What, before I do that, I forgot about that little picture. That's an interesting little slide I found during a few weeks I've been looking for little slides to show you. What I'm going to say this morning is not my opinion, it's not my thoughts. We have to base whatever we do in God's name from God's word. Yes, absolutely. And I hope that it's very clear this morning that we understand what the Bible says or teaches about evangelism. It's not what I think and it's not what you think. But what does God say about it and teaches about it in the scripture that we'd like to explore this morning? And the first thing that we, we, we realise is that we are ambassadors for Christ. There's been a bit of a news in the news about an ambassador, yeah? I hope you've been keeping up. Joe Hockey, he's our ambassador of Australia. He's been in the news. What does an ambassador do? There's the definition for it. He's a diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by one sovereign 
or state to another as its resident, resident representative. And then, uh, and then it's also an authorised messenger or representative. I like those two words that I've highlighted, resident and authorised. That's what we are. We reside here in Montmorency. I know some of you don't actually live here, but this is where this church is, this little gathering of God's people in Montmorency. And brothers and sisters, we are authorised to be ambassadors for Christ. i just read it to you. You have the authority to represent Jesus Christ and make him known in this community. So what's wrong with Joe Hockey? Yeah? Well, what does an ambassador do? An ambassador represents the interests of either the king that sent him or the state that sent him. So Joe Hockey should be representing the interests of Australia, you and me. So why is he in, why is he in the news? Eh? Because he's representing his own interests, isn't he? You know, was it Hollow World? He was a big investor. He's in trouble because he wasn't really doing what he should be doing. He was promoting in his own interests and his friend's business interests on our dime. Yeah? That's why he got into trouble. That's why he's in a bit of a pickle at the moment. But an ambassador represents the king or queen's or their country's interests, not their own. What is, what is our sovereign's interest, our king? What is his interest? Have we given that some time, some thought? Have we spent some time trying to work out what is it that the Lord Jesus Christ, my Saviour and Lord, what is his interest? We read that again, didn't we, this morning? We did it twice. Uh, Elaine shared with us in Romans. I was going to read that as well, but when she told me she was reading it, that's fine. One is to spread the gospel, the good news. And the other one, which is really the same thing, is to reconcile mankind to God again, to make reconciliation. That's what it said in verse 20 of 2 Corinthians there, uh, chapter 5. To be reconciled for God. Brothers and sisters, that's God's primary purpose. You know, if God had a strategic priority list like we have, you know, we've got the four Bs. If God had a list like that, this would be on it. This is it. This is God's priority. Reconciliation between God and man. That's all God is interested in. Now, how has he done this? He's done it through his son. We read that as well. From the word of God. Through Jesus Christ, who who it says there was made sin for us and paid the price and made us reconciled again to God. That's how the deed was done. But how does this interest, how does this interest, God's interest, get promoted out there? God says, I have ambassadors representing my interest. 
Now that's a bit long and it's hard to explain, isn't it? So there's a word called evangelism. That's what it means. Representing God's interest of reconciliation to the community, our community, Montmorency. It's important to know what evangelism actually is, brothers and sisters, because there is a lot of confusion. There's a lot of unclear thinking of what it actually is. Perhaps we're not even doing evangelism properly because we're not sure how it's done. There's misconceptions. There's certain expectations that you do this and this happens. Is that evangelism? Over the next six or seven weeks, we're going to look at evangelism. We're going to unpackage it for you as best as we can. You know, even six or seven weeks is not enough time. But we're going to build each week, each Sunday morning, we're going to build another aspect of evangelism so that it will help you, help us to understand it. We're going to try and help you to get some practical tools that you can use not the be-all and end-all, not the method, but some that may be able to be used by yourselves in your circumstances that you find yourself in. We're going to have uh, some time speaking about apologetics and then after Easter we plan to, to, to run the Alpha course like we shared to you in the vision. And over the next few weeks we're going to have experienced people who have... Who have Worked a bit like our sister here, Alison, worked for the Lord in evangelical outreach ministry. We've got Rob Coyle coming for a couple of weeks. He was the founder and CEO of YD, Youth Dimension. We have David Ray coming along, who was also the CEO of Youth for Christ. And we have David Wilson and hopefully a few others that we're trying to encourage to come along. So it's going to be a great time. It'll be a very challenging time. But I believe it's going to be a rewarding time for us. Evangelism. Doing what God wants us to do in the community here at Montmorency. So, so, what is it? What is evangelism? Well, I could could do this in a number of ways. I could actually tell you what evangelism is, and that would be good. But I... But you can also explain something by, by, by illustrating or, or telling you what it's not. Because sometimes, like, like when, you, when, you, when you use the word love, you know, people say, oh, love, it's... Yeah, but you love pizza, you love Essendon, I love my wife, I love my grandchildren, I love the word of God, I love, I, I, I love having a day off, you know. It doesn't always convey the right meaning of what you want it to use. So I'm going to show you seven things that evangelism is not. Now some of you are going to get upset when I show you these things. Please hear me out. And if you're really still upset, come and see me after the service. But I don't mean to upset you because this is, this is biblical, all right? That's why I showed you that first slide. I don't want to get into trouble. All right, now here we go. I'm pressing the wrong button. Here we go. What it's not. Evangelism is not a church restructure of its leadership or of its uh, getting new priority. It's not that. It may help in evangelism for, for a church to refocus, to examine itself and say, are we actually doing what God wants us to do? But just to do that, it's not evangelism. It's not. Oop, too many. 
It's not inviting people to church. Oh, Raf, what? You know, if you invited someone to this church, it's a good thing, don't get me wrong, but it's not evangelism unless they hear the message of reconciliation. They can come and they can sit and they can sing the songs and they will be welcome. They can have a great supper. Today is a great supper, brothers and sisters. You know. We have Victoria on. Yes. But it's not evangelism. Sure, people have an opportunity to maybe hear something, but it's not, if it's not intentional, it's not evangelism. It's inviting people to church. It's not imposing our will or beliefs on people. Some people think that you must get the, not just the idea, but they must believe what I believe. Now, I've come from that, that area in the past. I was taught how to evangelise a certain way and I had to make sure that those people believed exactly what I was saying. That's not what this message of reconciliation is all about, is it? Not when you look at it in scripture. So it's not about imposing what I believe on the person next to you or your neighbour. And this is interesting. Evangelism is not a personal testimony. What? Of course it is, Raph. You've got it wrong. You see, a personal testimony doesn't save a sinner. Chris, you can be a great Christian Live well, love your wife, read your scriptures. But it's not going to save anybody, Chris, is it? No. It will help Chris when he tells people that he's a Christian and what that means. It will help Chris to give him credibility when he tells me about Jesus Christ being the saviour of sinners and how he's changed his life. So it's a help but it's not evangelism. We can live well. There are lots of people out there, brothers and sisters, who actually live a better life than me and they're going to a lost eternity. There are good people out there. They do good things. Nice people. Hospitable people. Evangelism is not social work or social justice or feeding the poor and what? Of course it is. The Bible says, Raf, it does. The Bible says to us that we should feed the poor, the hungry, find shelter for the homeless, clothe the naked. Absolutely. Look after the widows and the old people. Like I'm getting old, you know, like people like me. Yeah. But that's not evangelism, brothers and sisters. It'll help you when you share the gospel with those people to do those things. When you talk about God's compassion and love, you're living an example of it. But in itself, it is not evangelism. If the message does not go out, if the gospel is not shared, if it's not proclaimed, it is not evangelism. Is it making sense? I hope there's not too many people going to bail me up after the service evangelism is not doing apologetics oh, wait a minute Rafi you just said before that we're going to do apologetics evangelism uh, apologetics rather will help you to evangelize but in itself 
You could spend years and years and years arguing creation versus evolution. But if the gospel isn't proclaimed, if it's not made known, if you don't tell them about Jesus Christ dying for their sins, it's not evangelism. Church planting, oh, that's evangelism, Raph. Why have you got it up there? Well, it's up there because on its own, when a church decides to do a church plant, that's really not evangelism. But you know what? The reason it succeeds, and this is, this is a, 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 one of those weird features of, of a church plant. You know, what, you know what that little church plant is taken up on? You know what's its main focus? The main focus is not for it to grow, but to spread the gospel in the new location that they're in. That's why they grow. That's why people come and get saved. That's why they have baptisms week after week. But just to do a church plant, so are we going to plant a church? That's not evangelism either. You can argue all these points with me later. So what is, what is God's strategic priority? Reconciliation. We read that in verse 20. It's salvation. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Right from Genesis chapter 3, God's mind was in to put things right the way they were, to reconcile mankind again, to bring about salvation. And that is done through the gospel. Those are the three priorities of God as far as mankind is concerned. Now, when you become a Christian, there are other things as well, but they're the three main things. Reconciliation, salvation, and the gospel. And that's all packaged up in that little term, evangelism. That's what it is. The question is, are we doing evangelism? What is it? What is it exactly? Here's a word, gospel. And that's that, that little word there next to it is the Greek word. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know how to say it in Greek, but they have an, Angli- uh, an anglicised version of the Greek word. It's evangelion. That's how you say it. I'm not even going to bother pronouncing the next one because that's very similar to it, but it's harder because I, I did the Google language thing. It's too hard. The next word is preach. And then there's another word. Evangelist. Now that word evangelist is found in, in, in Acts 21. Have you, can you see anything interesting about those three words in the Greek? Now, you wouldn't pick it up in the English, would you? Gospel, preach, evangelist. You would not pick it up in the English, would you? But look at the Greek word. They're almost identical. They're so similar because they all come from the, from, from the same root, the same meaning. Gospel, preached, evangelist. And here's what the, what the Greek definition of that Greek word is. Gospel, good message, news. Preach, to announce, declare the good news. Evangelist, a preacher or declarer of good news. That's what it is, brothers and sisters. If that isn't being done, if those things aren't being done, whatever activity it is, 
It's not evangelism. It may be a number of things. It may be pre-evangelism. It may be encouragement. It may be fellowship. But it's not evangelism. The New Testament, in the New Testament, to evangelise refers to bringing or announcing the good news. Just like our sister mentioned to us earlier, it's about declaring that Jesus Christ came to save the sinners. Evangelism is serving, uh, sorry, is sharing the gospel. Now, I'm not going to tell you what the good news is in detail. That's Josh's job next week. It's his, it's his, it's his task to explain to you the good news in detail and how you can share it. But this is what I'd like to share with you. Why is it important? Sorry. Why is it important? Well, it honours God. It glorifies the Lord. It brings about God's primary desire and purpose and it offers opportunity to, um, to escape the judgment and wrath of God. Have I missed a slight... Uh, I think I have. I think I have. Have I? Uh, anyway, doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. There's, there's, there's things that in, in about evangelism in the scriptures that you need to know. First of all, it's a command. I thought the slide was up there, but it's not. It's a command. Now, we're not compelled to do it like some religions are, where they have to go and knock doors because their salvation is dependent on it. We don't do it for that reason. We shouldn't do it for that reason. But the Lord Jesus commands, he says, go into all the world and preach and preach the gospel to all creation. So, so the Lord there is using those two Greek words to preach the gospel to all creation. And that's, that, that's, that's the last, one of the last things he told us to do. And that's been done, that's done by, first of all, preachers. We see that in, in the book of Acts. That, that the apostle Peter spoke and preached the word of God and people were saved. And then we have Philip in Acts 8 and 12. He spoke the word of God and people were saved. And then we have, we have uh, the apostle Paul as well saying things in, in Romans chapter 1 about, about the gospel, how he's not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. And then in Peter chapter, uh, sorry, in chapter 10 of Acts as well, Peter as well there talks about having to share the gospel. So the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the means by which people are saved. It's very clear. And it's not just done by people like Franklin Graham. You could get the wrong impression thinking, yeah, I must be an evangelist a bit like Franklin Graham or his dad, Billy, you know. They have a gift of evangelism and giftedness is, is outpoured in different uh, amounts of measure. But the, those verses that we talked about don't show us that. They don't tell us that it's a particular person. It's, it's required by all. And it's interesting that, that, in, that in the book of Acts, when, when the persecution came, all the people that were scattered they were going and spreading the gospel. Just ordinary folk like me and you. 
So the gospel is also, evangelism is also done by all Christians. It's preached wherever they went. In First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says there, to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for their hope. It's done by churches who, who send. I don't, we didn't hear who sent our sister Alison to, uh, to Guyana, but that's what Romans 10 is all about. People going, people being sent, being commissioned. In Acts uh, chapter 13, verses 1 to 3, Antioch, the little church at Antioch, they sent Paul, Paul and Barnabas out to, to onto their missionary work, uh, missionary journey. I'm just wondering when was the last time Monty actually commissioned a worker to go overseas into the mission field? It was a long time ago. Churches, churches do evangelism by helping. Uh, sister also mentioned, I keep referring to you because you know you, you, you did most of my message, so that's great. She referred about helping, partnering, and churches do that. You know, you know, the first time I heard about Montmorency, the very first time I heard about Montmorency was when we had a man come back to our house. He was preaching at our, our church. And he was telling me where he came from, how he started off being a minister of the gospel. And he was telling me how he was commissioned from this little church called Montmorency. Whoa. I'm talking about Harry Holmes. Harry Holmes. He was commissioned from this place many years ago, of course, because he's now with glory, in glory with the Lord. But he was commissioned to, to uh, I think I can remember it rightly, to to teach RE at that time in the rural areas because there was, a, there was no, no one to teach RE in the country areas. So he, he, he felt led by the Lord to do that work. Now, he, you know, if you, to do all that, uh, you, know, you can't have a job. So this church supported and commissioned him and, 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 and endorsed his, uh, his work by sending him off. Now, the people here didn't actually do the work but they shared in it. They supported him in prayer, in practical needs. And I'm telling you, Harry Holmes has done a fantastic job in people's lives right through. He really has. He, he, he helped me learn how to study God's word. He showed me how to preach the word, you know. And I, I enjoyed a lot of times with, uh, with Harry. So thank you. Thank you for uh, doing that. If there's people here that were around when, when that happened, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And Paul, Paul uh, talked about receiving help from the Philippians. He says in Philippians 1 and 5 that, that their help is part, in partnership in the gospel. So Paul saw the Philippian church as his partner in the gospel work. And it can also be done by, by Christians helping now, you, you may put money in the bag and some of that money does go to missionaries and, and Christian work. And that's what when we say the church supports. But I also know that there are people here as individuals who support Christian work. You may have a few extra dollars and so you could maybe help someone. I know that uh, that happens as well. There's a man, there's a man called Gaius in a little letter, and it's actually probably just a note, really, in Third John chapters, uh, verses five to eight. It doesn't even have a chapter that letter, and it talks about. And John there talks about how 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 helpful Gaius was to him 
and his endeavours to preach the gospel. But, you know, Gaius didn't just have a favourite apostle because he's also mentioned in Romans 16. He also helped Paul. So he wasn't helping the apostles. He was helping the gospel being preached wherever it was and whoever was doing it. That was his desire. That's evangelism. That's how you can participate in it. So why... Now, I know, I know this is here because I read it before. Something's gone wrong here, hasn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I'm really sorry about this. Okay. So evangelism is important for the people out there to hear the gospel. It's a, it's a given, isn't it? They need to be saved. Otherwise, they'll, they'll continue on the path that they're going, which is a broad road that leads to destruction. But it's also important and vital for you and me. Why is that? Well, what about fruit bearing? As a church, if we're not occupied in evangelism, we will bear no fruit. That's found in John chapter, 14, uh, John chapter 15, verse 8. It gets worse, brothers and sisters. If a church isn't uh, active in evangelism, in Revelation 2 and 3, chapters 2 and 3, it talks about churches withering and dying. I don't mean just the seats getting empty. It's just you don't have the, the first love. You know that, that church in Ephesus, it says there that, that you know, when, I, when you read that in chapter 2, if you get a chance, have a look at it. When you read the description of the church in Ephesus, you read it and think, that's not a bad church. Good doctrine, they have good teachers, they hate sin, hate false teachers. It's really good. And then you get to the bit where it says, but I have this one thing against you. You've left your first love. The first love, what would it be? It's it's debatable, isn't it? But they've left. I believe that they've left their first priority to to preach the gospel. What happened to the church at Ephesus? It withered, gone, was removed by the Lord. The church of Cyrus is referred to as a as a dead and dying church and it's dead because it did not complete the, the deeds in the, in the sight of God the things that God intended them to do they were doing stuff they were, they were functioning but as far as God's concerned they were of no use to him not bearing fruit in Luke chapter 6 to 13 verses uh, uh, 6 to 13 it talks about a parable of, the, of, of a fig tree there's a few parables of fig trees but this one he talks about a fig tree the fig tree, the thing that comes across is that it has a purpose and an expectation. And when you read that story, the farmer who has the fig tree, his mate says, you know, it's not doing anything, cut it down. But the farmer says, you know what, let's give it another season. I'll fertilise, I'll put some dynamic lift on it and we'll give it another season, see if it bears fruit. Because that's the job of the fig tree, isn't it? To bear fruit, to provide figs. But even the farmer who owned the fig tree, who wanted to give it as much opportunity to do what it should be doing, did say, but if it doesn't produce fruit after that, I'll cut it down. And then the last one, this, 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 is, this distresses me sometimes when I think about this, this passage. I shared a little bit about it in chapter 19 of Luke uh, a few weeks ago, the ten minutes. 
We talked about there primarily the fact that it says there in different versions, put this money to work until I come, occupy until I come, King James Version, and engage in business until I come. There's an expectation from the master who's not here that we, that his servants are occupied in his business. Evangelism, brothers and sisters, is God's core business, isn't it? That's his core business, evangelism, salvation, reconciliation, the gospel, core business. The return is expected of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that parable, there's, a, there's, a, there's an accountability by the three servants that were given the amounts of money. To, to put into use for the master. The thing that I find interesting, I want to share with you this morning, leave it with you to, to think about. At the very end, when, 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 the, when the servant with the one miner comes and says, here it is, I've still got it. What's the response? You know the story. I was going to read it to you, but I don't have the time. You know the story. The, the story says... The master says, you know I'm a harsh master that I expect a return on my investment. You know that. You're well aware. The other two guys, they knew. You're well aware of it. And yet, you did nothing. You buried it, kept it safe. He didn't lose the money. He didn't lose the investment. But it rendered nothing for the master at all. And then, the, and then the master says something really interesting. This is what I'd like you to think about. And he says, you know, you could have gone to the bank and put it in a term deposit account and at the very least you could have earned interest on it. Now, brothers and sisters, you all know you get very little in a term deposit account, yeah? Very little, very little isn't it? Hardly anything. But the master said, even if you had done that, you would have earned interest. It's really interesting when you look at commentaries and ask, and that when they speculated what that actually means. The one that I found challenging for me, what would it be? Interest is probably the minimal amount you could do with the investment that you've been given. What's the minimal amount that you and I could do with the gospel that we've been given? The message, the hope, the salvation that we've been given. What's the minimum that we can do? I'm going to ask you a question. Does your fellow workers even know you're a Christian, a born-again believer of Jesus Christ? Do they know that? Have you told them? What about your uni friends, high school friends? Do they know you're a Christian? The very least that we could do, isn't it? Just to say, you know what? I'm a born-again believer. I'm a Christian. What about your neighbour next door? You know, people say, oh, you know, I'm not very good at talking. We talk to our neighbours next door. We should anyway. Do they know that you're a Christian? When you go to work tomorrow, how many of us are going to say when we're asked, what did you do on the weekend? I went to a function that my church had on Sunday. We won't even tell them that we went to the uh, community event with, with Bell Thompson. 
I think that maybe that's what the Lord meant, the Master meant by the interest, the minimum amount. I found this quote. You've been given the gospel not to protect it, not to protect it, rather invest it for his glory. That's what, that's what it is. And, you know, brothers and sisters, evangelism is the investment vehicle. I think I've got that, haven't I? Evangelism is God's investment vehicle. That's how he expects us to invest the gospel. Invest in reconciliation, in spreading the message of salvation and hope and eternal life through Jesus Christ. If we don't do that, it's not evangelism, brothers and sisters. May the Lord bless.